Okay, you're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is an interview with the most amazing entrepreneur and friend I have ever met, Bridget Bodie-Healy. Bridget, I'm so glad you're here today. My absolute pleasure, Melly. You've had a lot of businesses and I would love to pick your brain about the roller coaster of business because a lot of the people I work with are just starting out and they're fearful and you're like this amazing uh, role model for people in business. So I would love maybe a bit of an overview to start with of your business career, if you could sum it up. Sure. Well, I started my first business at 24 mainly because it turns out that I'm just a really sucky employee. (laughs) I had no choice but to work for myself. When I would work for people, they would have it done one way, and I would look at that and go, yeah, I get it, but if you did this, it would be better. And people, it turned out, didn't really like to be told about how to run their businesses. So it didn't make me very unpopular as an employee. Um, And I also was in a position where I could see how much money I was making for a company, Mm-hmm. And then I could see in relationship to how much I was getting paid. So I remember really clearly when I was in my early 20s making, you know, three or $4,000 a week for a company. I was employed as a beauty therapist and I was taking home $300. And I remember thinking, that doesn't look right. So I went, you know what? I'm just going to do that for myself. I'm going to get all that money. But then, mm-hmm. of course, I had a really steep learning curve around things like, you know, rent and product and electricity and all of the things that go on top of that with running a business but I learned as I went and it was the most empowering thing for me because I remember thinking with these two hands the world is my oyster Hmm. I can make as much money as I want and so your first business was in beauty you just stepped into it going going I'm unemployable (laughs) or more specifically I want to make this my thing is what you were saying to yourself in the beginning yeah I want all the money is really what I was saying because I was young Mm. and I remember thinking wow I can't believe I can do that if I can make that then you know I was kind of in my mind and I'd also seen bosses and they had nice cars and they appeared to have nice homes and holidays and I went this 250 or 300 bucks is not going to get me anywhere so I need to just do that for myself. And I was really scared, but I went, you know, I'm good at what I do. Hmm. I don't know if I could run a business, but I learned quickly. By force. <laughs> you kind of have to learn quickly, don't you, when you're thrown into it. Yeah. So what was your next business after that? So I had that company for about 10 years, and then I decided that I'd had enough. It was, it was um, when I do things, I like to do them really really well and I really put myself in the place of the customers so I'd spend a lot of time in the clinic walking through the clinic and imagining that I was a customer and would I like that furniture and did I like the you know the essential oils that were burning and the linen and I think it's really important to kind of imagine being a customer and being in the position of being a customer and so that you can see it sort of through their perspective and I was really big on getting lots of feedback from customers we used to have these forms that I'd get them to fill out mm-hmm. and they would also be in a locked box and they would they were uh, anonymous so people didn't feel like I was going to look and see it was from Jackie or Julie mm-hmm. and that gave us lots of really valuable feedback on how we were doing and I made I would always think if this was if I was a customer how would I like it to be so I think when we went through I think it was the 
96 recession mm. and everyone was like, oh, beauty therapy is going to be in big trouble because no one's going to spend money on things like, you know, a facial or a wax. And I'm like, no, this is a great time. People should totally spend money on those kinds of things simply because they're stressed. Mm. So I would devise all kinds of ways about how to build the business. And in fact, we were never busier and we were one of the highest earning companies during that time. Cause I'm like, this is a great time to make money in the recession. Wow. So you really flipped the traditional thinking on, on its head and went the opposite way and reaped the rewards of that. Yeah, through fantastic customer service, yeah. very, very customer focus and a lot of value add because I recognized early on that it was more than a wax or more than a facial. It was the value that we added and people weren't paying me for the wax. They were paying me for the value that they experienced in that. So lots and lots of additional things where there was lots of gifts in it. And I liked... I guess my first feeling about business is that generosity is the key. It's the oh, karma of business, like giving, and we would give, but also, you know, we, I would give away lots of free products because I recognized that that would cost me $5 wholesale. So I could just give that away. What's $5 for a brand bill? What's $5 uh, for a customer, for the life of the customer? And I'd always love that concept of, would you like fries with that? So we'd like a wax and a facial and a manicure, and we'll do this and that, but, you know, highly customer centric. And we used to just love on our customers as hard as we could. Oh, I love that. And that's what I teach in the business training I do is that, you know, step into the customer's shoes and see it from their perspective. And the way you talk about it, it's like that chocolate's on the pillow, next level of service. Yeah. I just yeah. love I that. With my staff as well, loved on my staff so hard that in the 10 years of having that business, I had two staff members leave. One went on an OE when she returned, she came back to work for me and one had a baby, damn it. And came back <laughs> when the baby was only a few months old to work for me because I love so hard on those stuff because I also recognise that they were the heart or the lifeblood of the company. Mm, so good. And then you went to where from beauty? Then I decided that, you know, that was that was intense because that was a lot of, um, that was six days a week and, uh, you know, kind of high-focused concentration. And then I thought at that stage in my life, what are the two most things I enjoy at the moment at that stage back in my life? It was, it was you know, fine food and wine. So I went, oh, well, I've got a good idea. What about a wine bar and a restaurant? That sounds ideal. But actually that wasn't that ideal. And that was an incredibly excruciating business. And we lost money and houses during that little event. Mm. But also I look back on that and I don't ever feel a sense of resentment or, you know, oh God, it went wrong. I went, wow, that was an intense university degree. How to lose it all and, and kind of survive and claw back. And, you know, I guess more than anything, what I've learned in my you know, 30 years of business is resilience and courage and how to fail well and get back on the horse. And, and you had no past experience in food or wine I or know, restaurants? I did. I used to eat and I used to drink. <laughs> Rather than that, no. Never made a coffee. Never did. I remember someone saying they wanted a Bugello or something and I was like, what the, what is that? And unless it was a French wine on the list that I hadn't even read. So, yes, that was really tough in hospitality. And, of course, I wanted it to be like a beauty therapy clinic. I wanted it to be all beautiful with, you know, we used to have hot towels that we gave the customers before they ate. And, you know, we had beautiful furniture and beautiful linen. Everything was gorgeous. But um, that was a tough gig, you know. Hospitality is a little different from a spa. Mm -hmm. And so how long were you in that business for? Two years. And... uh, uh, yeah, and then we, um, the company was liquidated 
because we were being robbed by our staff, actually. Wow. <laughs> of $160,000, which was oh. really extraordinary back then. And even now it's quite weird. I don't really feel bitter about it. I'm like, well, that's just karma, isn't it? It's like, that's really not for me to kind of have an opinion about that is that person's mm. kind of life and where they want to be and who they are at that particular time. Um, and you know, I'm forever respectful of people in hospitality and wait staff. And when we do go out, uh, these, you know, these days I, you know, have, I, I also see customer service. I think that's the most critical piece. And, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a tourist town and you see quite poor customer service. I'm like, but these people are paying your salary. You know, this is. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. And, and all you need to do to stand out these days in business is to have really good customer service. I kind of feel, I sh- maybe I shouldn't say that, but I kind of feel like there are very few businesses that do that element really well and it is the most important bit. It's kind of like, you know, how valuable are they to you? Customers are the lifeblood of any company. You know, treat them well and they'll come back. They have to be like your best friends. You have to treat them like a family member, like a best friend with that same degree of respect and honour and and really, um, really just with with that capacity of generosity and, and giving because in my experience, I mean, I've Instagram is, is great, but it's also insane. You know, I'm tied to my phone these days, seven days a week, and people will message me all through the day and night, and I will return those messages even if it's 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday mm-hmm. because that's a customer, and that customer wants something from me, and I'm there to give it to her, hmm. whatever it takes. Wow. Absolutely. I will help you. I will do anything that it takes to solve your problem, to make a difference, to make it easy for you, to help you shop in my business Mm. and for you to understand that you can't get that kind of service from any other company. That's why you buy with me. Amazing. And, And so in that regard, like what comes next for you after the restaurant? the restaurant um i had uh, i had children uh we moved around a lot we moved to australia that's where i met you mel and you know i was always looking and i guess i was creating mike and i talk often about when we spend browning we spend so many times on the beach with a um you know like a some driftwood drawing plans and thinking up ideas and concepts and I think after that you know it was it was a challenging time young children but I always I would just always have great ideas I remember one time listening to an interview with Bruce Springsteen and someone said to him you know do you ever run out of songs and he looked at them quizzically as if to say god no what do you mean do I run out of songs <laughs> songs for the lifetime that I'm on this planet yeah. and I'm like that with ideas and it's not a special trait it's just a practiced habit and it's mm-hmm. like any habit I ask my brain sensible questions and I ask it to come up with ideas and I think naturally mm-hmm. being an interviewer I don't seek other people's opinions or guidance or look for mentors mm-hmm. or people to show me the way because i I'm not a good, I'm not good at reaching out. So I'm more inclined to say to my brain, you need to sort it out. What is what's the answer? <laughs> so I don't ask my brain questions where the answer will be, I don't know. I don't let it say, I don't know. I'm like, if you do, if you did know, what's the mm. answer? Mm. And then do a big mental brainstorm. And usually one of those ideas will stand out and point me in the right direction. And then I'm scared. And then I back myself. 
I don't let my brain go, oh, it could be the wrong idea, or maybe you don't know, or maybe it's the wrong thing, or maybe it's too much of a risk. I go, no, that's a great idea. That feels right in my body, and then I will give a hundred percent to that, and I will commit to it, and I will see it through, and I never back away from it. Have you always been like that? Um, or did you I have really, to learn how to do that? I guess I learned how to do that because I realised I kind of had an epiphany. Um, I wasn't overly close with my mum and I sort of learned early on that the only person I could really count on was me and mm. I had to back myself. There was no one else that would help. I didn't want to ask for help. I needed to just rely on myself and as painful and as isolating and as lonely as it can be, I just knew that I was the only one I could really count on. Other people come and go, friends come and go, colleagues come and go, mm. partners can come and go. But, you know, you, you've got to know that you're your own cheerleader. You're your own kind of champion. You just, boots yeah. and all, you support yourself and you don't let yourself second guess yourself because that's dumb. Yeah, it, it's so important. And I think I was on a podcast interview earlier today and I was talking about this topic because so many people that start businesses lack confidence in themselves and they take everything personally. And you're just not going to get ahead when you're thinking like that. Because you're going to put up obstacles, right? You're going to be going, I can't do this or people won't like me or whatever it is or I'm not good enough or how can I ever charge that much money and and all of that kind of dialogue comes up and it actually prevents you from moving forward. So I love what you're saying is that you've got to kind of put all that stuff aside and ask your brain better questions and just say to your brain, stop with that crap talk, (laughs) You know? yeah. Well, I, I find my brain still has all of that crap dialogue and it will say, you stupid bitch, what are you doing? And I just go, I'm just going to do it because I, and I guess I had this really strong sense of commitment. So when I commit yeah. to a friendship, I'm all in hundred percent. So I'm, I'm very loyal to people and I'm very loyal to ideas. Mm. And I guess that is something that is probably more of a value as opposed to uh, any other great skill set. Um, and I also kind of had this sense, someone told me a long time ago that every human being on earth is is unique. So I know that the way I look at something or the way I make something, whether it's a cake or a stone, a hand painted stone is going to be different from someone else. So I kind of find that fascinating that the way I present something or say something or look at something is going to be a hundred percent my own. Mm. And they say there's no new ideas but my spin or, or concept of an idea will be unique to me as it is unique to other people. Mm. So I just kind of go, oh, I feel tickled. Like my brain came up with this idea. I don't really know if it's good or not, but I think it is. And that's enough. That, that's so good because a lot of people compare themselves to others and go, oh, well, I'm not doing what they're doing and they're doing better than me or I should be following the same process or the same method as them. And I'm such a huge advocate for doing business your way. Like you've got to figure out what your strengths are and what your creativity is and bring that to the world. And I love that that, that that's kind of a version of what you're saying is that, wow, my spin on this is this. And that's really cool. Like you can totally honour yourself and your ideas. The other thing you have to be aware of is that if you expect to know the how before you get there, you'll never, ever get out of the starting starting blocks because you can't Mm. know the how. If I look back now and go, oh, I wish I'd known how to, uh, you know, run that spa. I didn't know then, so I had to. The the how came as I as I grew. Like I had to. There was no how. There was no path to follow. There was no plan. I had to start, and I had to start going. I think this is the best. Like when I don't know, I'll kind of have a rough idea and go, should I do this or that? And I'll 
toy with it and go, well, I think this, but I don't know that that's going to work. So I'll try it out. And if it fails, then I go plan B. If that fails, plan C. If that fails, plan D. Like you just got to keep failing and moving on and failing and moving forward. I don't fail and then sit around and spend lots of time wondering why I failed. I go, oh, that didn't work. Let me try something else. That didn't yeah. work when you try something else. And I keep going and gradually you build your how. And when you get to your result, you look back and go, oh, that was the how. You can't, you can't know that ahead of time. Yeah, you've got to have that huge why to get you out of bed and get you motivated and create commitment. And that will see you through the experimental process of the how, yeah. I think is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that motivation, people go, oh, I'm not motivated. I mean, who is? Quite frankly, who wants to hang out washing and, you know, get dinner on? So I think my, you know, you need a compelling why. And if you don't have a compelling why, you just make a commitment to yourself. You just go, tomorrow, I'm going to do those three emails to customers or I'm going to do this, you know, write my blog or write, you know, start do couple of pages on my website and you just go that's it it's in your calendar you stick to it you give yourself an hour I don't you don't spend all day because that's just time wasting you give yourself an hour and you go I've got now to do that and you just sit your ass down and you just do it for no other reason other than you said you would and you honor your word it's a lot of integrity in that that's kind of what the definition is right is that you're consistent across all areas and you stand by your values and beliefs and, yeah. you, and you live them without trying to adapt to the people around you. You you are who you are, and it's such an important trait to have. And with I think. each little win, and that little win might be like, oh, I wrote two pages of my blog. Each time you have a little win, and you've got to celebrate those little wins, even if it's going, I just walked around the block. You celebrate that win, and then that builds the momentum for kind of growing and, and the sense of moving. Always move forward. Don't get stuck and dill about. You've got to have that sense of moving forward, even if it's kind of sideways and up and down, but you're moving all the time. Don't stop and hang around and spend lots of time wondering why and how and what didn't work. You just move forward. Make a decision, move forward. Any decision and back it. <laughs> what came after kids for you? Uh, once we moved back to New Zealand, um, it always annoyed me. Little things annoy me. And it's just one of them is, is that I don't like things that are not transparent. And I remember years ago when I was living in the UK, hearing that tampons and pads were made out of plastic. And I was like, surely not because they look like they're cotton and they feel like they're cotton and they mm. work like they're cotton but that they were actually made of synthetic so when I was growing up in the 80s they would have all been cotton mm. but somewhere along the line they got um changed from being cotton to being made out of 100% synthetics and plastics and manufacturing technologies are so sophisticated these days that you can make plastic mimic anything even cotton and mm. I don't like it's not the fact they did it it's the fact they didn't tell anyone yeah. So I think that's pretty uncool. So that things like that bug me. So what I just so I decided to set up New Zealand's first organic cotton tampon and pad company, mm -hmm. uh, which I did. And I remember having uh, someone targeted me from PNG Procter and Gamble and said, "Do you want to die on this hill?" I mean, I was going. It was I was going. Was going to be suicide trying to against oh Peter and some of the big brands. Tampon. Really? Yeah. And I went. Just watch me. Get Bring out of it. My way. I'm going through. <laughs> <laughs> so that just, yeah, and I remember having no money. I remember having to ask my mum for a plane ticket to go up to Auckland so I could have meetings with people because I didn't have any money. And, you know, so I just grew that company out of, I mean, all the companies that I set up are social enterprises. I call them that because it's using business as a force for good. That is the whole point. If you don't want to give back and you're not interested in community, 
don't bother about being business. Like, I just don't think, if I deal with any businesses, whether they're a printer, a hairdresser, or whoever, if they don't have some kind of giving back, I move on. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that, that, is, that is a critical piece of a business, and that is, that is, like, I don't believe that businesses can sort of survive in the world today without some sort of social, environmental responsibility or some sense of giving back to the community. It's so true. And I recently saw an article that said the businesses that have done best in the shutdown have been those that are, as you describe, social enterprise or giving back to communities. They're the ones that have survived and even thrived in the current lockdown. Yeah, cause it's this values-led business. Yeah, yeah, like in, in the karma of it, like giving is just such an incredible way. And you don't, it doesn't have to be with money. It can be gifts. I mean, a gift is just smiling. A gift is just calling a friend. A gift is just being you in the world and celebrating who you are and celebrating life as hard as it is. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, I just recently got this ring made and it says yes on it. And it's just yes to everything. Yes to the suffering and the agony and the depression and the loneliness and the grief and the joy and the sunrise and the flowers and you know you just got to say yes to it all this is part of life and I don't know where we got the idea that it was meant to be fabulous all the time because mostly it's not (laughs) no way most of it is just kind of going this is how you grow if anyone out there has had a baby it's really bloody painful right but you get the baby that's part of growing it is going Mm. to be painful Mm. you know like hunker down get to it get off your ass and get going (laughs) And so where did you go to from pads and tampons? Tell us about oh, your I, I, which I, is your current venture, right? What's that? It's your current venture where you're at right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sold out of that company um, in 2016. And typical to me, I like to see, I, I really like um, kind of finding products that are essentially single-use plastic or single products that don't serve and find a better way to do them. So the next natural step for me was nappies. Mm. I mean, my kids are older now. They're certainly not in nappies. My husband's not in the mid either. (laughs) (laughs) Preparing for the future. (laughs) Sorry, Mark, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I, you know, nappies, disposable nappies are one of the worst single use plastics because there's a phenomenal, there's something like 10 plastic bags worth of plastic in a a disposable nappy, but we've got to use them, you know, what else can you do? Certainly here in New Zealand and lots of places in the world, you can't send a child to daycare without a disposable product because of health and safety and, you know, that kind of thing. So I decided that that would be a great place for me and um, that's a very tightly held space. It's a really difficult category to get in with lots of pushback from big companies going, don't even bother, you'll be slaughtered. And I went, just move over. So <laughs> it, about, it took two years of really hard work. I had lots of time when I'd be lying flat on the floor going, oh, I got it. I don't know if this is ever going to work. Uh, of having lots of research, lots of scientists, lots of, um, yeah, it was really a tough gig because eco is not easy and I didn't want to greenwash I was really really determined that we were going to be the most trusted transparent healthcare company in the world no greenwashing so what we do is we by law you don't have to list the ingredients in your products on your website or on your packaging but we chose to do that I wanted to do that Mm -hmm. the good and the not so good so that there is no value at all in trying to confuse or greenwash the market, your customers, what value is there in that? You're just going to lose trust, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, a lot of companies are what I say, you know, fur coat, no knickers. 
you know, all glossing the outside and don't look under the hood, people, because then you get the fright. And so um, Murphy was born and got Manuka in there, which is beautiful. And they're so incredibly soft, breathable, comfortable. We've got, again, a social enterprise. So we support four charities, environmental mm-hmm. charities. And some of, I want to highlight some of our most endangered, but um, lesser known animals. Like we're known for Kiwi and Kakapo, they're well known. But mm-hmm. we have so many animals that um, are endangered and and highly endangered and you know potential extinction in the next few years so and I wanted to educate you know children and young families about the value of protecting our own native wildlife like yes panda bears are important and rhinos are important absolutely they are but we have our own special animals here that are really um highly threatened so it's such a pleasure to be able to do that and so all of the back sheet or the print on our nappy have the native flora and fauna on them Mm-hmm. So do our packaging. First nappy company packaged in paper, not plastic. So we uh, use 70% plant-based sustainable renewable materials, mm-hmm. less plastic going into landfills. But we offset our carbon footprint by having a program that we've set up called One Pack, One Tree, where people buy a pack of nappies and then we support reforestation or tree planting of natives in New Zealand uh, and also the environmental charities. So we've also got a maternal um, and mental health wellness program where we support mothers and children because I love that, like, you know, happy mummy, happy baby. You know, Absolutely. we really want to serve these, you know, our, our people, our community and uh, and provide as much education and hope and love um, in a really supportive, wonderful way because it's really hard to get good information. How do you find the energy for all this love and goodness and passion and drive and just not negotiable motivation? Um. I just, I don't know, I work every day, you know, seven days a week and I don't have a lot of hobbies and stuff, but I hike and I just, I kind of feel like, you know, there's never been a better or more wonderful time on planet earth than now to be a woman in business. Like everyone has something inside of them that they've wanted to. I don't want to be on my deathbed and go, damn it, should have done those nappies. (laughs) You know, that I kind of go, I've got, every human being has something inside them that they need to get out and the world needs that special gift that only you have. And so you have a duty, a responsibility to get it out of your head and into the world. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and look at you, you've gone from service to service to product and, and a combination of them. You've done all different sorts of businesses and I would love to finish up this podcast by hearing about the award that Noopy has just won. Yeah, I knew we were going to win that award. (laughs) (laughs) Really, because, I mean, I was just telling you, Mel, earlier that um, I say to people, Nubia is just the best company. It's the best nappies in the world. And people go, how do you know that? And I go, I just know that. And I just know that. It sounds lofty and it sounds, but because I know this product so well, because I've created and it grew inside of me to serve the world, I know that it is the best product. It's not because I'm you know, dreaming it up or I've made it up. It really is. It really is. We've tested it. It is the best nappy. So when we went into the International Mummer and Baby Awards, we're a small social enterprise, you know, the bottom ass end of the world and, you know, competing against giant corporations. And I just went, how can it not? I mean, it's just the most miraculous nappy that's come, you know, out in, mm. in a category in, you know, decades. Mm. And you blitzed it. 
and we blitzed it. I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, because why not? Because I, I honestly think that if you align with your values, mm. you can't lose. That's so people, right. People get a bit kind of mismatched when they kind of have a thought and then they change like, oh, I, this is what I feel like I want to do, but I'll do that because someone re- recommended or suggested or yeah. whatever. No, you have to be like, you know, a ship in the night following a compass or the stars and you have to stay on course. You I align just, your values and you, and you don't deter from that. I just love that. And thinking about interviewing you today, over the last week or, or two when I had the idea, I thought you're such a values led person and I just love the way you bring that into everything you do. And it seems to make you invincible. And I would love to hear how you talk about and describe your journey in business. And it's everything I thought it was going to be. You've just like ticked all of the boxes that I thought you were going to talk about. And particularly that values led approach is so critical because it's easy to get, kind of waylaid by other people's ideas or opinions or to feel stifled and then you're not being your true self and nearly everyone I speak to says I just want to be authentic and run an authentic business and you think well what does that actually mean it means that you're being true to your values it means that you're not afraid to stand up for what you believe in and further to that you want to bring what you believe in into the world and that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I think one of those things about people getting scared, and I get scared too, absolutely. You know, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants and often I'm terrified about stuff. And I kind of learned a long time ago that these feelings that you have are created by thoughts. Sometimes you can't catch the thought that is saying, you stupid twit, what are you doing? Oh my God, don't you know? But I also know that when I'm scared or anxious or worried, and I am frequently, that it's just a feeling. It's not going to kill me. Okay? What a relief. It won't. It's in my (laughs) body. So... I try to just, I do a lot of hiking or running, so I'll kind of run out the feeling, but I always kind of trust that, uh, that it, you know, that the universe is in service to those that actually uh, have action. Like the universe rewards effort. doesn't want you to yeah. sit around your ass and think. It wants you to do something. Get off your ass and do it. And when you're scared, you just say to yourself, I'm really terrified and you just get on with it. It's like the Brussels sprouts. I'm not a fan. Just eat them and get on with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's yeah. the thing. Don't ever let that be a stop. Everyone is scared. Everyone maybe, is on a knife edge. Maybe we should call this episode the Brussels sprouts of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's the most thing is expect to be scared, expect to be worried, expect to be anxious. I mean, that is normal. That is part of it. That's mm. your 50%. Expect that, but that's not a stop. That's not an excuse. That's just going, I'm terrified. I'm so anxious. I can barely sit still in my chair, but I got a job to do and I committed to writing half a page of my blog today. So I'm getting on with it Mm. with my anxiety. I'm bringing that with me. That's like my heavy bag for the day. Yeah, it's just something I have. It's not who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a stop. That's just like, oh, thanks for stopping by, grief. Good to see you again. And we've got business to do. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for today, Bridget. I've just loved talking to you as usual, but also hearing your really insightful perspectives and your energy around business. is so good to hear. And I hope everyone listening has learned a lot about what is absolutely possible. Absolutely. And, you know, for anyone listening, get on with it. One life, live it well. Now is your time. Get to work. I'm going to put links to your website in the show notes because people need to know about Noopy. 
Thanks, Melly. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Bye. Bye.